Will you please join me in prayer? Dear Holy Father, we want to pray that as we give of our offerings and tithe, um, and also to this great cause, that the finances would not just be the only offering we give, but that we give our hearts, that we would give you our lives, our time, our priorities, that every week, every day, we'd be more willing to make more room for you. And that, Father God, you would become Lord of all, Lord of all of our lives, Lord of all our priorities, and Lord of our time. Dear God, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would be with me as I, as I speak about the power of prayer, especially help my voice to come out clearly. Please help um, the listeners to be able to hear what prayer can be, what prayer should be. And I pray, Lord, that um, as, as we hear the different stories as well, it will inspire us to pray. I want to pray for those who are sick, including myself, that we would have a full recovery. Um, and we want to pray for those who are ill from other causes as well. You know who they are. We pray that you would um, draw near to them and be with them as they go through surgery, as they go through treatments, as they go through waiting periods, Lord. We want to thank you for um, the blessings that you have given to us, despite everything. And I just want to pray, Lord, that um, we would never forget what a sacrifice you've made and how much we truly have and to never take it for granted. We pray in your son's name. Amen. <coughs> One second. <clears throat> I promise that I was not like this a few days ago when I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Um, and I really am okay, but I do apologize. Um, so last week, I shared about how Jesus taught us to pray, how he taught that prayer is personal because God is personal. And that prayer doesn't have to be this formulaic, you know, thing that we have to be in the right place at the right time, in the right manner, with the right posture. But that prayer is just talking to God as to a friend. And yes, he's our Heavenly Father, but he is someone who loves us and cares for us. And so the most important thing is to be authentic and to tell him exactly what's on our hearts and minds and to um, come to him with that, with that attitude of openness and willingness to allow him to change us. So today I promised uh, to share stories of the power of prayer. And I want to start by sharing one of my favorite stories from the Bible about prayer. Uh, I'll, share, I'll share a story from my own life. And then I'm going to share some stories that, um, that some of you have shared that I've asked you to share. Um, and then I'm going to give you all a chance to contribute to the discussion in a moment. So first, um, the story from the Bible about prayer that I really love. And let's get right down to it. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it reads, There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerohoam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, the Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Panina had children, but Hannah had none. You know, year after year, month after month, Hannah was hoping for those signs of pregnancy. 
And she was bitterly disappointed every time. And I know how that feels for just a little bit because in between Micah and Joshi, um, we actually wanted, you know, to have another child. Um, and every month it was waiting, you know, hoping and then disappointment. And so imagine Hannah who experienced this for years. I don't know how many years, but probably at least six, seven, eight years. Um, while Panina was having many children, here she was without a single one. And most likely, that's probably why um, Elkanah had two wives. I mean, polygamy was common at that time, but it usually was because, you know, the first wife couldn't have children. And so he probably married um, Hannah, loved her, but many years of waiting, maybe 10 years went by, no children. And so then I think that's probably when he married Panina, who then had multiple children. And here is Hannah having to share her husband, having to see all these children grow up that are not her own. So Hannah is, <coughs> excuse me, is feeling the sting of her loss. But especially once a year when she went to the temple in Shiloh, with, you know, they all would go because they're from the tribe of Levi. And Elkanah would go to offer special sacrifices. And when they would go on this trip, Elkanah would especially show favoritism to Hannah. And of course, the jealous Panina would then, you know, from her own hurt place, would provoke Hannah um, by bringing up the fact that she was barren um, and, and just, you know, giving her a hard time until Hannah was a mess of tears. So this was especially difficult. You know, this is around 1100 BC in, in, in the region where um, a woman's worth revolved very much around her fertility. I mean, even today, right? There's, there's a lot of stigma associated if you cannot have children, even though that shouldn't be the case. And so poor Hannah was really feeling the, the hurtfulness, right, of years of, 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 of shame and, and, and judgment from her community but also within her own very, her very own family, right? Panina is there goading her on. And, and I'm sure this created a very unhappy family situation. So we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. So reading on. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now, just to explain why, why she would make such a promise at all. And so um, there was a vow that uh, was sometimes taken called the vow of the Nazarite where if you had a specific mission, right, and you felt called to do something specific, that you would make this vow. And one of the things that you would do to show that you had made this vow was that you wouldn't cut your hair. Now, usually it was for a period of time, like 30 days or maybe a year or so. But once in a while, it was for a lifetime. And so here is Hannah saying, hey, God, if, if you give me a son, then I will give him back to you to serve you for the rest of his life. Why would she do this? You know, she wants a child so badly that she would give him up. And I think there's something going on here. I think, I think 
you know, when I think, when I imagine myself in her shoes and I, and I look at the story and I, and I ask myself, why would she make such a promise, right? Why, why would she even bargain with God? And I, and I wonder what's going through her head. And, and yes, sure, she wanted to be a mother, right? Maybe the, the experience of being a mother was all she wanted. Or maybe she wanted the shame and the reproach other people place on her removed by saying, look, I do have a son. But I think most of all, what Hannah wanted from the depths of her soul was to know that God cared about her. That he heard her prayers. And if she had a son, she would know that it wasn't a coincidence or biology or her efforts, but it was God answering her prayers. And she wanted to give back to God what she knew that God alone could give her. So I think what I, what I can extrapolate from this passage is not Hannah just bargaining, you know, because sometimes we do that, right? When we're really desperate, we say, oh God, you know, if you do this for me, then I will devote my life to you. But I don't think Hannah is being very flippant here. I don't think she's just making this bargain in order to get what she wants. I, I sense in this passage a genuine desire to be heard by God, to know God cares about me. And, and God, if you are listening and if you care about me, then I will do anything for you, right? I, 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 I hear in this passage this sincere woman's desperate cry to know that God cares about her. And if you keep um, reading on, this is what happens next. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Now Eli was the priest at that time. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her, her voice was not heard. Eli thought that she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. Why did Hannah have such a drastic change in demeanor after her prayer session by the temple gates? It says that, you know, she, she left, she was no longer sad, she ate, she worshipped, right? She had this complete change in, in perspective and, and attitude before any proof that God had answered her prayer, Right? before she had even had relations with her husband, right? She already had this change because for her, when she poured out her heart before God in that moment, she knew God heard her. And that was enough. That was enough for her in that moment. She felt a peace and assurance that she didn't have before. Sure, she had prayed before. Sure, she had cried before. But this time she knew that God truly heard her. And so her attitude changed from one of despair and anguish to one of hope and joy. 
I imagine Panina, you know, on their way back home on their long journey, that she would have made those little passive aggressive comments and would have been surprised to see that the normally Hannah who would have been cringing at those remarks and tears coming to her eyes, that instead Hannah seemed to shrug it off. Panina's remarks weren't affecting her anymore. I can imagine Panina being puzzled by this. I imagine Alkena wondering why his wife, Hannah, her, her face seemed to be lit up with a secret. And of course, in time, and the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how much time, but in time when Hannah did get pregnant and gave birth to a son, while everyone else was, was amazed, Hannah would have just been radiant with gratitude. She named her son Samuel, which in Hebrew means God, heard by God, that God has heard. And when in the passage it says that the Lord remembered her, it doesn't mean that he forgot. The phrase God remembered is often used throughout the Bible to emphasize and express his faithfulness to his promise. It's, it's, it's like saying God didn't forget his commitment, right? It's just emphasizing how God is faithful and committed. And Hannah experienced this when she prayed to God, right? Before she had the answer. This isn't her after having Samuel. This is her as soon as she prayed and as she, as she left that temple gate, right? Hannah knew that God was committed to her, that God was faithful to her, that God had heard. Hannah goes on to pray again in First Samuel chapter 2, but this time it's not in anguish or heartbreak. It's in praise and adoration. And I don't have time to go into today, but I invite you to later read First Samuel chapter 2, this beautiful prayer of thanksgiving, clearly demonstrating that she understood that God answers prayers not because of our faithfulness or our promises, but because of His promises and His righteousness. And that is so important for us to understand because... I think a lot of times we think, oh, if I do the right thing, then God will bless me. But remember we talked about last week how God loves us and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, how he's our father. And so he wants to bless us because he's good and because he loves us. The reasons why we don't always get what we want is because of the wisdom that he has. Perhaps it's not time yet. Perhaps it's not good for us. Perhaps he has something better in mind. Perhaps he wants us, like Hannah, to come to a place where we realize that he does care for us. And in surrendering our desires to him, he gives us the desires of our hearts. Hannah keeps her word. And when Samuel is weaned, she takes him to the temple. And she, can you imagine the astonishment on Eli's face when this woman brings a little boy and says, do you remember me a while back? I was the woman that was crying and, and praying and you thought I was drunk, but I was, and, and she never told Eli exactly what was on her mind. But can you imagine Eli's surprise when she says, I was actually praying for a little boy and look, here he is. And I pro promised God that I would dedicate him to the Lord's service. So he's now in your care to help you. So there's the little boy, Samuel, dressed in a little priestly ephod. And the youngest little priest um, to, to help uh, Eli with the temple service. And I love what the, what the text says happens after that. 
It says, each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. You know, it doesn't tell us how many years went by before she had another child after Samuel. But I love the fact that because of Hannah's prayer, not only was Samuel born, but she's able to have more children and she's able to have the special relationship with Eli. That year after year, he would, he would get to bless Elkanah and his wife. And year after year, they would come and see little Samuel growing up in the temple. So yes, Hannah endured years of sadness, right? We don't know how long, but probably five, ten years of sadness. But here she reaps years of joy. Five children in addition to her little Samuel. And Samuel goes on to to grow up and serve Israel as um, their priest and prophet for over 40 years. God spoke to him from a very young age. And Psalm chapter 99 verse 6 names him as one of the greatest prayer champions. And I wonder where he got that from. Look at this verse in Psalm chapter 99 verse 6. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. I'm sure Hannah taught Samuel how to pray and told him the story of how he came to existence. And it was through her prayer that there was a Samuel, priest and prophet of Israel. And without Samuel's prayers, there wouldn't have been revival in the nation of Israel that ended the chaos of the period of the judges where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Under the spiritual guidance of Samuel, Israel experienced a spiritual and and physical victory and freedom that they had not experienced for decades. That's the power of prayer. Sometimes the answers to our prayers don't come right away. Sometimes we don't even recognize the answers when they come. And sometimes God does say no. But the assurance that God hears us can be ours as soon as we pray. We can experience that peace and that change in our hearts like Hannah did as soon as we make our heartfelt requests known to God, surrendering the outcome to the one who hears and cares for us. I was thinking and praying a lot about which story to share today, what personal story I wanted to share with you about the power of prayer. And and I actually, one of the reasons why I'm feeling worse right now because it's because I had everything prepared, ready, printed. Um, but in the middle of the night, I was like, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, nope, change the story. And then I changed it again. Because at first I was going to share stories of amazing things that God has done. And I could write a whole book. Um, you know, and, and I've shared some of those stories before in other sermons of, of a miraculous things that God did, you know, pray for something, one in a million chance got it, etc., etc. And I, and I could share those stories. But the more I prayed and, and thought about it, I thought, you know, I actually want to share a story that isn't as dramatic, but that demonstrates how God hears and how God cares. And, um, the story is about friendships. So I'm actually a very shy person. You know, growing up, our family moved so often, um, basically every other year, sometimes more often than that. 
And so I was a new kid in school a lot. And the first day of school was always very nerve wracking as I stood in the hallways of a new building trying to figure out where all the classrooms were. And I don't know how high schools and middle schools work here, but in the U.S., um, from sixth, sixth grade onwards, like you have to go to the various classrooms and they have these lockers in the hallways with combinations and each locker is different and trying to figure out how to open one is, is like a whole science. And of course, that dreaded question of where am I going to sit at lunchtime in, in the US, um, you know, in these schools, they have this big cafeteria and they have these lunch tables and it's this, you get your, your tray, you get your food and it's like, oh, where am I going to go sit? right? It's this awful feeling. I don't think it's the same here. Um, and so every time I was in a new place, I would, I, I would pray the same prayer. I would pray, God, help me find one person today who's going to become my best friend. Help me to be brave and help me to find the right person. So I would pray this, I would say amen, and I would open my eyes and I would scan the room. And every single time I would spot someone that I could feel that God was nudging me towards that person. And, you know, it wasn't an audible voice saying, this is the one, right? There were no bright lights of halo around the person. Just a very strong impression of, of God saying, that's, that's the one, right? Just a little nudge. Go talk to that particular individual. So I would take a deep breath, say another prayer for courage, and I would approach that person, introduce myself or ask a question. And every time that person that I would meet on that first day of school would become my best friend. And year after year, as I had to start over a new place, God always answered this prayer. It's a blessing that I don't take for granted because I know how hard loneliness can be. I remember that sick, sick feeling in my gut in seventh grade when my best friend was sick and absent from school, which was quite often, unfortunately, because she was very sickly. Then I would have, then I would know, oh, I have to sit alone during lunchtime. And sometimes I would go into the bathroom stalls and eat in there because I didn't want to feel alone in a crowded cafeteria. I remember being the only woman in a conference of a hundred pastors in a certain state in the U.S., and no one sitting next to me at lunchtime or even saying hello when I walk through the room. I'm feeling so out of place and lonely. Three years later, when I was working in a different state, I went to a work event and it was like a whole one week event. And everybody was laughing and talking and having a great time together. And no one invited me to a single meal or activity. And I cried myself to sleep every night. Well, that feeling of, of loneliness and, and feeling out of place came back a few years ago when Micah started school. He wasn't nervous at all and he adjusted like a champ, but I wasn't prepared for the fact that I had to make new friends all over again. There were the popular moms who were part of the in crowd, who knew all the school gossip and the news and all the you know ins and outs. There were the moms who would get coffee after drop-off the moms who had playdates after school. And I tried to talk with them and get to know them better, but they were very polite but distant. And, you know, I felt like I kept trying and I, I kept feeling rejected. Like, you know, there I was and they would invite like the other person next to me to go have coffee with them across the street. And I'm like, what about me? But like, you know, I don't want to like invite yourself. 
And so it was so stressful. And I, and I remember thinking like, I haven't felt this way since seventh grade, um, of, of, of trying to fit in, of trying to make friends, trying, trying to infiltrate this culture here. Now, Michael was very happy and, and he didn't seem to have any trouble making friends. And so I stopped trying. I started avoiding the awkward morning drop-offs by just dropping him off at the gate. He was happy to go in by himself. Um, or like Roy would go and I just kind of gave up. And the pandemic happened and we didn't have to do school drops anyway. There was no mingling anyway. So that whole year of 2020 went by. And then in the beginning of 2021, Roy and I were seriously considering whether we should transfer Micah to another school where there was a better culture or a better community where we felt like we could belong as a family. So we prayed about it. And I'd forgotten how important prayer is in making new friendships. And that's why I'm telling this story. Because, you know, we, we pray for health, we pray for lots of things, but sometimes we forget that God cares about every aspect of our lives. And so we prayed that we'd be able to that God would give us guidance about, you know, Micah's school and about our future as a family in in, the, in his school. And um, I, I realized that I had also become a bit complacent because, you know, Melbourne is the longest place I've ever lived anywhere in my life. Like I said, I've moved around a lot growing up. And so um, Melbourne is the longest I've ever been anywhere. And so I had become very comfortable with my friendship network. And I hadn't prayed for a new friend in ages but then I remembered, and now I was, I had this need, and so I prayed. I prayed for the, for new mom friends at Micah school. So that, this is the beginning of last year. Well, you know, we went back into lockdown, and um, everything, you know, kind of was happening, and out of the blue, one of the moms reached out for a play date when restrictions eased and we were able to go to playgrounds. Um, she messaged and said, do you want to meet up at the playground uh, for our allocated outdoor time? And so I, I was super excited. Well, this was new. And so we, we, we had a few play dates and someone else asked. And before we knew it, we had a few families with whom we had regular play dates. And just over the past four to six months, these women have become very dear friends of mine. We even went on a holiday with one of them. And now Roy and I really feel like we have a purpose, um, you know, being here with this school, that, that we have a small but connected community there. And prayer has made that happen. It has opened my heart and obviously other people's hearts, and it's changed our perspective and our experience uh, when it comes to Micah and now Joshua School's community. And so that's the power of prayer. And and yes, you know, like I said, I have stories of miracles and, and can't believe that happened kind of stories to share. But I really wanted to demonstrate how prayer can make a difference in our lives in a way that maybe not dramatic, but it's just as significant. Because this is something that's important to me, important to my children, important to our family, and God understood that. You know, prayer doesn't always change our circumstances, but it always changes our hearts. It makes us aware of the gifts and the blessings that we might have taken for granted. And it convicts us also of our need for grace. Whenever I'm feeling grumpy or wronged, you know, I start my prayer off angry and frustrated, blaming everybody but myself, right? That's how my prayers begin. What's wrong with them? Right? But as I pray, I feel this 
very strong conviction that I'm the one in need of grace, right? That I'm the one in need of patience and love for myself, for others, um, and in need of grace from God as well. You know, when I was younger, I didn't understand the book of Psalms because in one moment, the psalmist is in the depths of despair and the next he's singing praises to God. And I'm like, why is this person being, you know, so so back and forth? But as I've experienced the power of prayer, I know exactly why the psalm, you know, begins, for example, with my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then ends with, um, I will declare your name to my people and in the assembly, I will praise you. Or in Psalm 42, verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? But it ends with, by day the Lord directs his love, and night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You see, as we, as we pour out our hearts to God, God's Spirit connects with us in that vulnerable and intimate place where he speaks to us and we feel so heard. You know, sometimes when you are going through a hard time, it's not that you need a solution, but you need a friend, right? You need someone to, to understand how you feel. And so that's what happens in prayer. When we are telling God how we're, how we're actually feeling and going, when we're authentic and vulnerable with him, through that experience of communication and, and through his Holy Spirit, we get to experience that peace and assurance that God hurt us and he cares about us and he's going to do his best to give us the best outcome whatever that may be this inexplicable supernatural experience of peace is one of the reasons why i know that god is real it's only through prayer right not just my prayers but the prayers of others that i am who i am and where i am and with whom i am right with that prayer I, I would have made a mess of things and, and given up on, on, on ministry and marriage and motherhood and all these things that are difficult. But prayer changes me so that I can be a better pastor, a better wife, a better mother, right? Able to be the person that God has created me to be. And of course, that's a daily process, right? Daily uh, failures, but daily reminders of grace and daily trying again. Prayer anchors us so that when we're living through uncertain times, we can experience this promise. This is one of my favorite promises. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you experienced the peace of God that transcends all understanding, the peace that the world cannot give through prayer? What has been your experience with prayer? Have you experienced the power of prayer in your life? An answer to prayer that you knew wasn't coincidence or luck. An answer to a prayer that you haven't even asked for yet. What does prayer mean to you? And in a moment, I want to um, share with you a video of, of some of you who answered this question. But I want to give all of you a chance to answer just in a few words. If you go to this website, um, menti.com, and you put in this code 2310153, it asks a question. 
well, two questions, but really you can answer um, how you would like. How have you experienced the power of prayer? What does prayer mean to you? So just in a few words, right? A phrase, a couple of words. I invite you now to, to answer that question. Um, and as you're doing so, um, I'm going to play the video of just a few. Um, I've asked some of you to, to share it and record it. So thank you for doing that. And here's what they had to say. But keep, keep answering. And um, in a moment, I'll share the results on the screen. Hey, this is a um, memory of an answered prayer. In college, I was asked to do a worship for our um, floor level, and I was a bit nervous about it, and I prayed to God about what I should share about. And um, the night before, they'd done a worship for the whole college about the sanctuary, and I thought it would be a good idea to continue sharing about that. Um, but I wasn't sure how to go about it. I had some rough ideas, but the night that I came to do the worship, after praying again, it wasn't actually me that did the most sharing. It was other people in the room. So sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers through us, but through other people for us. Sometimes God answers my prayers really quickly. So the other day I was struggling with the decision that I'd made and I asked God for a sign. And I said, can you please send me um, a referral today? Uh, I, need an, I need a new referral. And within the hour, I'd had a phone call and I'd signed on a new client. Um, and that had just taken God 40 minutes to answer that prayer. Other times, though, it takes it's taken a lot longer. So we had our first baby and we were hoping to complete our family with another child. And it took a long time and we'd almost given up hope. But uh, we managed to uh, find an IVF clinic that worked with us and we managed to get pregnant and now we have our second child and we're really, really blessed. I know that not everybody has this experience and so we know how lucky we are having our two beautiful children. Sometimes I think that the delay makes... It's sweeter, though. I'd like to share with you an experience I had in Mexico. We were there on a mission trip with this organization called Share Him. And while there, we were each assigned to a particular church. And for three weeks, we were to preach there every single night. There was a, quite a lot of materials for us to, to cover. And it was quite daunting, uh, even for someone that have had uh, preaching experience. And um, I remember one of the leaders um, during morning worship reminded us that prayer is super important in what we did. And that prayer was even more important than um, preparing the material at times. So... I took that on board and I spent quite a lot of time praying. There were nights when I preached and I felt like it was it was the most terrible delivery. But yet 
out to my surprise there were there were many people who responded to the calls that I made at the end and I could only attribute that to the Holy Spirit working in their hearts and the prayer that went into it and um, one of the nights I, I felt like I delivered probably one of the worst sermons but yet at the end of the night um, there was a local someone who had actually left the church previously who came up when I made the call in the end and that experience really strengthened my faith that uh, through prayer um, God is able to work through weak uh, human beings like you and me and um, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is able to work uh, when we allow Him to work through us um, and through our prayers. For me, prayer has just been such an essential part of my life. It's helped me in good times and bad times. Um, I can't think of a moment where I don't get down on my knees in prayer. And sometimes I won't even get on my knees. Sometimes I'll be driving and I'll just be talking to God because that's what prayer is. Um, prayer is the opportunity for us to be able to communicate with God, which is such an amazing thing to think that we can ask God things, have conversations with him and he hears us. And it's so true. He really hears us and he really moves in our lives as a result of it. Um, I've experienced the power of prayer in so many different aspects of my life, from finding my partner to being here in Australia. Um, just There's just so many areas in my life where God has just worked his wonders, times where I feel like giving up and I feel like it's just everything is just too much. I talk to God and... He comes through in a way that I would have never expected. It's not always the way I would want or the way I would think it will play out, but somehow it works out even better. And that's been my journey with prayer is that even when I feel unworthy, even when I feel like I am undeserving and maybe it's a mistake that I would have made, and yet here I am on my knees asking God to get me through, get me through the anxiety, get me through all the awful feelings that I have. And he truly does. It's unbelievable. He forgives us. He is there for us um, in a way that is hard to put into words. It's just one of those things that we have to experience but we're so blessed to be able to communicate with God through prayer. And prayer is such an important part of our lives. It, it changes things, it moves mountains, it gives you opportunities where in any other situation you would think things were impossible. Um, so my experience with prayer is that we need to keep praying, we need to keep talking to God. We need to do it together, pray about everything, little things, big things, 
um, just take it all to prayer. And God listens, he hears us, and he's there for us. So I do hope that all our lives are changed with prayer. Good morning, um, Cecilia from Alice Springs. And the aspect of prayer I wanted to talk about is regular morning prayer in community. And I've been doing that since about 2014, Monday to Friday for half an hour. And it's gathering and there's a time of thankfulness. There's three scripture readings, the middle one's a psalm. There's a time for people to respond to whatever struck them in the reading. And then there's a time for intercessory prayer. And I run it some days and go some days. And there's sometimes music and quotes and things from people. And it sounds pretty simple, but it's changed my life in lots of ways. Um, I like it because you hear God speak through it. It makes um, God's word very alive. Responding to scripture like that, and particularly with honesty, so hearing what actually struck you and then what actually struck other people, and sometimes people don't like bits of it or you hear them reacting against it. Um, it's actually a way for me to slowly hear God. You hear God each morning and what he might particularly be saying to you. And I think the world's pretty confusing and... It's hard to make a way through all the different ideas and stories of what is um, good. And for me, it's like a clear space where I try to hear God say what's good. I also like um, the way you travel with people through it. So it's a lovely way to be with people. It's not small chat or talk about renovations or politics. You actually get to hear over time people talk about um, the heart of themselves and their life with God and what really matters. So it, it feels like a lovely way of being close to people. Um, the thankfulness at the start is a way of noticing all the good things. And um, in Alice Springs, the, the prayer has people from interstate as well, but in Alice Springs, often people particularly notice nature because it's very dramatic here. And it's a way of living together <laughs> with what's happening in the world around, rivers running, golden light coming down from the sky, the change of the seasons and being grateful for that so you get a strong sense of the presence and power of God and I need that because it pulls me up from my own um, anxiety and preoccupations and in the intercessory prayer you state what's really on your heart to pray for and there's um, certain things that each day prayer is for something or other particular but people pray really for whatever they feel to pray for and so your truest concerns and desires and worries um, are placed before God and you share them with the other people online and you hear theirs and um, we're in the middle of changing it all now because everything's changing here a bit but I'm, I'm really committed to it because I think I would lose a very great deal if I didn't have it each morning in my life. So how about you? How have you experienced the power of prayer? And, um, <clears throat> yeah, if you could, I'll, I'll just go back to the screen. Um, yeah, go to menti.com, last chance to put in your code 2310153, just in a few words or a phrase or so. Um, if you could answer this question, and I'll show the results in a minute. How have you experienced the power of prayer? What does prayer mean to you? Now, um, some of you ha didn't have a chance to share um, this time around, but I know you've got stories and Peter didn't get a chance to record, but he sent me this um, reflection, and I want to share it with you. 
Peter said, I think prayer is the single biggest practice that makes faith real on a daily basis. You can live your life out practicing almost everything that Christianity teaches without necessarily believing in God, but you cannot pray without believing in God. You cannot speak with God and share your deepest thoughts and worries and seek His blessing and intervention without accepting in your mind and heart on a daily basis that He is real and personally concerned about you. As with most, oopsie, as with most people um, that grew up in this heavy faith, prayer started out for me as something pretty formulaic that I recited in family worship. But as I got older, it obviously matured and became a personal part of my Christianity and the way that I approached life's ups and downs. There's a great song by Regina Spector, Laughing With, which highlights all these really challenging situations in which people, even atheists, felt the answers to prayers. For example, when mourning and coming to terms with my uncle and then my granddad passing away. But I've also <coughs> excuse me, experienced it in a much smaller things. So I remember once when I'd just gotten my driver's license and was driving to uni, I had to make a right turn into a busy road on the street and I couldn't find a gap. I was getting super stressed and almost 10 minutes not moving as I was getting late for class. And I prayed a simple but very heartfelt prayer and moments later a gap opened up. I remember once as well a classic lost key situation when I was living in Newcastle. My housemate, who was a Bible worker at the time, lost a key, which I think was for the church, and few of us turned the apartment upside down looking for it. He prayed, and very shortly afterwards I found it. And sure, these little moments can be just coincidences, but there are enough of them, <clears throat> and you know that God cares about the little things as well as the big things. I always prayed before every single exam that I set, and God, God blessed me so much academically. So I think that's what prayer means to me, knowing God is personal and hears my voice, and knowing that he cares not just for the big things, but all the small things in life as well. So I hope, uh, thank you, Peter and, and Kim and Bron and Shane, Maxine and Celia for sharing what prayer means to you. Um, I hope you've all had a chance to complete this mentee um, little <coughs> question. And if I did everything correctly, it should show here. Let's see. Oopsie. Go back. Here we go. There it is. Hooray. <clears throat> so how have you experienced the power of prayer? What does prayer mean to you? And I see that you've written there assurance that God is there, transformation, forgiveness, assurance, love, hope, um, connection, miracles big and small, reconciliation, trust that it will be okay, comfort, peace, grace, and faith. And I'm sure as more people watch this later, they might be adding to it. So at the end of the day, I'll put a screenshot on our Facebook um, page with the final results. But I hope and pray that um, as, you, as you continue to answer this question, that you'll be inspired to make prayer a regular part of your life. And I want to invite you now to <clears throat> experience um, prayer with us today. And so in a moment, we're going to be going on Zoom. The code doesn't work. On mentee. Yeah, it doesn't work. Oh, that's a shame. <clears throat> Roy, Roy is saying that the code didn't work. Um, <clears throat> well, if you scan the QR code, it should work. I'll just try it myself to see. 2310153. 
Oh, you're right. It doesn't work. Sorry, folks. <clears throat> um, oh, 2231. Whoopsie. The code is 2231-0153. <clears throat> so ignore what that says. The code is 2231-0153. If you scan the QR code, the QR code does take you to the right link. Um, there's an extra two in front of the code there. So it's 2231-0153. But if you scan the QR code, um, it should take you. <laughs> My apologies. So the six people who did input <laughs> their answers <laughs> must have scanned the code. Um, in this, scan the QR code. It's 2231 <clears throat> um, <clears throat> But as, and I'll, I'll come back and share, share the more results in a minute. But, <clears throat> excuse me, for those of you who are able to join us on Zoom, we're going to be sharing, looking at Psalm chapter 4 today, which is a prayer, and we're going to be um, reflecting on it together and then having some time in prayer. And we're going to be discussing these questions, you know, and, and if you're not able to join us on Zoom, here are some questions for you to think through. Um, who are the different voices in this Psalm? What does it mean to turn to God's, what does it mean <clears throat> to turn God's glory into shame, and how do the faithful experience peace? Um, <laughs> yeah, more, I see more people are able to answer now that I've given the correct code. It's two two three one. So there's another extra two in front of the code two two three one zero one five three. Um, <clears throat> let's see if that means that more people can contribute. Yes, someone added their communion. <clears throat> All right, my bad. All right, we're gonna we're gonna close with prayer. But once again, if you would like to join us on Zoom, where we're gonna experience prayer together through this uh, through Psalm chapter four, I invite you to join us. Um, please turn your heads with me as we pray. <coughs> Excuse me, Danny Father, I want to thank you for um, being with us as we. Explore this concept of prayer, Lord. Um, it, it's it's a tough topic because it's prayer is a deeply personal thing, and sometimes it's it's difficult to really put a finger on and to explain um, how prayer works. But Father, we know that you are there and that you do hear us and that you do care. And I pray that <laughs> excuse me, every person would be able to experience the power of prayer. That even if the circumstances don't change straight away, even if the answer is no, that they would experience the power of your presence, that they would experience the power of your comfort, that they would feel your reassurance that you do indeed have a plan for their lives. And Father, I pray that as we um, go into Zoom now and, and look at Psalm chapter 4, that your Holy Spirit would, would give us greater insight into prayer and the experience of prayer. Continue to be with all those who are sick, including myself, Lord, and and um, all those who are going through difficult times. You know who they are, and we pray that your your hand would hold them very close. We pray in your Son's name, Amen. <clears throat>